You are listening to Worldwide Engineering. Worldwide Engineering. Worldwide Engineering. Worldwide Engineering. Hello, Worldwide Engineers. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Leon, founder of Worldwide Engineering, and I hope everyone's been doing great today. My guest today is named Frank Corville, and he is an iOS development consultant. Frank has been consulting some of the world's largest brands on how to build solid and scalable iOS apps. Today's podcast was a great one. We got to talk a lot about some of the trends shaping the app development industry in the next decade and how can we as engineers, developers, and entrepreneurs take advantage of those trends to create better products for our customers and our businesses. Also, Worldwide Engineers wanted to let you know, depending on the type of device you are listening to this podcast on, you might hear a bit of an echo and a bit of a background noise in this recording. I'm very sorry about this. I am in the process of upgrading my recording equipment and finding a better location to record those podcasts. Anyways, with that said, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'll be seeing you on the other side. Frank, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Leon. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me on. You know, it's funny how life works, uh, how we met two weeks ago out of uh, complete randomness. You know, I happened to have felt that day like I wanted to change work environment. So I went to another WeWork location and there you were sitting in front of me and you saw my tablet, my Remarkable. Yeah. You're like, that's a Remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had seen Remarkables online and I was like, oh man, I, I, I still have to try these out, you know? And I was just hoping to meet someone who had one so I could, you know, try it out like in person for real. And like, boom, there it was, serendipity. You know, it's a real conversation starter, that Remarkable. It's, you're not the first person. Are you serious? Like, yeah, it's, oh, a great, man. it's a great conversation. And I think one thing led to the other. I invited you to come check out the WeWork that I'm in. Mm-hmm. You came the next day, you, you just showed up and I was like, yo, it's Frank. And uh, we started talking and we were able to organize that podcast. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes just sparking that one conversation might lead to some pretty favorable places. There you go. You know, they say, so for people who don't know you, can you tell us what do you do exactly? Absolutely. So I'm an iOS development consultant. So I help teams and companies build amazing mobile apps that their users will actually want to use. Um, And I do this through like training the team and like specifically helping out with architecture. Mm-hmm. How long have you been have you been a consultant? I've been on my own for six, seven years now. Uh, so that means like, you know, independent, no stable employer or anything is like I'm. Uh, How does that feel? Oh, it feels great. <laughs> I, honestly, I love it. And I'll tell you why. What What's really amazing about being on your own, like being a consultant is you really have like your destiny in your own hands. You know, Mm -hmm. you feel like if things go well or if things go poorly, it's really like, like it's your fault, you know? 100%. And I find that really, like I find that freeing. And that's what makes, because you kind of are an entrepreneur because you call it consultant, but at the end of the day, you're an entrepreneur. And that's, it's it's a lot of like, if you make a mistake, it's all on you at the end of the day. Yeah. And your successes a lot of times are on you, but also on your team. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so what do you specialize in, in terms of consulting? So I specifically help companies with um, their iOS apps. And in that niche, um, I help specifically with application architecture. 
define application architecture. Because <laughs> I come from a, I come from like a civil engineering background, it's absolutely like very structural. And the only course I had in programming was actually a language that my professor created. It's called CMAP. <laughs> so he created that language. So it's not like the, the, the type of language that you can go on YouTube and find right, a tutorial. Right. That. So, so that was my programming experience. Okay, well, in the industry, I think one of the biggest problems uh, that plague software teams is uh, complexity. Mm-hmm. As applications grow, as you know, you add developers on, or as developers switch and like new developers come on, uh, the complexity inside an application grows very, very, very large. And this type of complexity can lead to things like bugs. Um, and while bugs might not be like the worst thing in the world, what's bad for companies is that it can lead to things like make, it can make applications very rigid as in difficult to change, difficult to add new features. Um, it can like lengthen time to market. Right. Uh, so it, So what I do is I go in there and I help companies uh, build a better app architecture in order to keep things flexible, in order to help them build new features faster. And I train their teams to do that as well. So that way, once I'm gone, things stay nice. I can't but think of Instagram when you say that, how they're always releasing new features. Yeah. So I'm just thinking of the back end, how flexible its architecture is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Instagram is a great example of this because everything needs to be what what they call like dynamic, right? Like some features are rolled out to like one portion of their user base and not to the rest. Uh, but I mean, that feature needs to be in the app, right? Like yeah. it needs to be there, but oh, but we're only gonna activate it and we're gonna do like progressive rollout. And I think having that kind of architecture in place can lead to um, teams being more dynamic, teams trying more things out, being more innovative. Um, these are all things that companies want. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So how has your experience been as a consultant? How easy has it been for you to get convinced companies that they actually need proper architecture in their company. How easy is it to, for you to sell your services to those companies? Uh, when I started, when I started like um, doing iOS apps solo, um, I, I did mostly uh, like subcontracting for agencies. So agencies always have work, you know, they work on design projects and they tell their clients like, oh, we'll build you an app but they don't actually have anyone to build the app and they need to find someone. Yeah, um, yeah I was that person. Um, and I did that for a little while and I worked for, I, like I did startups too, but there's one thing that really changed the course of my career is that I helped organize the local iOS developer meetups. Oh, interesting. So what ended up happening is, you know, like out of the blue, th- there wasn't any like big master plan, right? Like this wasn't, I hadn't like planned this out. So like, oh, five years in the future, I'll become a consultant. Like there was none of that. I just, you know, out of the goodness of my heart felt like, hey, it'd be, you know, it'd be cool to help out. Um, there was there was already a, so there was an iOS uh, developer user group in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just volunteered my time and eventually uh, I took it over. So, and then, and eventually built a small team and handed it off to them. But 
I organized that user group for what, three, four years? And man, the power of, you know, every month being the guy in front that's speaking. Right. Uh, I think it brings a lot of credibility, which, you know, maybe wasn't deserved in the beginning, but still, you know. Credibility and connections and... Absolutely. I've and... met the whole community in Montreal. Like, it was really... Like, looking back, that was, like, the defining thing of my career. That's amazing. Okay, so fast forward. Uh, what year did you start your consulting? Like, you sat down and you're like, all right, this is what I'm doing from now on. So, the architecture consulting, that was maybe two, three years ago. So, 2017. Yeah. And... And again, you know, once you build a network, you know, right. and, and you tell them, you're like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. Um, do you know anyone who would who would need these services? And what was your first uh, client? My first or client? Uh, I'd rather <laughs> not talk about specifics. Um, okay. But let's say there's a, a big company, like a huge company, 150,000 plus employees um, doing their first foray into Internet of Things. Really? Okay. So that, that was my first like big architecture consulting client. You know, I was asking that because a lot of times as young entrepreneurs, you know, when we get started, we always take works, you know, left and right to mm -hmm. build our name, to build our reputation. A lot of times we do things that are sometimes too easy for us or too, sometimes too complex, but we do them just to build our name. Yeah. And just because all you need in, in, in your field, in my field, is just to get your foot in the door. And when you Absolutely. get there... You're in there. Yeah. You know? So what tips would you give people that are seeking a consulting career? Because there's in the last two, three years, there's been a pretty interesting revolution happening, which is the freelancing revolution. Absolutely. Especially now with everything that's happening, work from home, work remotely. You know, I, am, I have never outsourced so much work <laughs> than I do right now. And it's super convenient. It's, it's great. It's... A lot of times it's high quality work. Mm -hmm. So how as, let's say you're, you're uh, a regular guy that has a certain set of skills that wants to find a way to make, have a side gig. How would you recommend that he or she get started? So I think there are a few things you can do here, but it all revolves around one thing, which is community. So whether it's getting, like if you're in software, like get involved with your local community around like programming language or industry. You know, if you can, um, maybe now during COVID it's a bit tough, but if you can find a spot to speak at a conference, that's huge. Mm -hmm. um, but there's all of like these small things that you can do um, to get your name out there. And I feel like it's one of those things where there isn't like any one event Um, that'll make or break you, but it's having like, you know, this constant stream of, I guess you could call it like personal brand marketing. 100%. That, that helps you, you know, stick in people's minds. And that's what, that I think is like probably the best way to, to go about it. Another thing you can do, for example, is start a blog, you know, like teach people about um, the subject like of your expertise. And what's probably going to end up happening is whatever you teach people about, it's either going to be too difficult for them to implement themselves or 
they just won't have time, so they'll hire you. 100%. 100%, that's true. Uh, a perfect example, talking about your second example, which mm-hmm. is starting a blog. Uh, right now, what has, uh, and it's actually something very good. A few days ago, I stumbled upon a guy who's located in Montreal, and all he does is freelance work. Mm-hmm. And you know how I stumbled upon him? How? He uh, has a personal brand on Instagram. Okay. And he shares his work. He shares his work. He shares his work setup. And if you go look him up, I, I'll, I'll pull out his name. Um, and just to say that social media is so powerful when you're able to establish your personal brand. Literally, all the guy does is that he takes a picture of his work setup. Mm-hmm. which looks sick. You know, he has a, la- a Razer laptop with a Razer mouse and the <laughs> lighting and everything. And all he does is he takes a picture and he writes a caption about what he's working on and the, the, the different problems he's having. Mm-hmm. Uh so honestly, at the end of the day, you know, my business is built on social media and it's completely changed my, completely changed my life. Yeah. And you see, it's not, I'm sure for that guy, it's not any one post that made him popular. It's just the fact of, you know, continually posting. If you do, if he makes like one post a day, like it might not seem like much, but when you're consistent, then those, those gains, you know, like they they add over time micro gains there you go it makes a huge difference yeah it does it does um so what are some of the ios projects that interest you the most right now in terms of implementation so like this is a good question i think there are like three big trends in the industry um that are really interesting to me and where things are going the first, the first is AR, augmented reality. Nice. Like, I'm a big believer in AR. I'm sure the future is going to be AR. Um, Apple has been, there are rumors that Apple's been working on like their AR glasses for, for many, many, many years. And I think the moment those glasses are released and the, and, you know, open the floodgates for like a new <laughs> AR platform. I think the people who will have that AR experience are going to be really, really well positioned. When do you think that's going to happen? The floodgates? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think we're going to see it in like the next two years. Really? That, yeah. that early? Yeah. Are we ready in terms of implementation? Because when you think about it in terms of technology uh, implementation, you know, we've had 30 years of computers, desktops. Mm-hmm. Then in the, only in the last 10 years have we had smartphones. Are we already ready for the next thing? I think, the, like, when it comes to technology, um, I find progress to be, like, exponential. So we'll absolutely be ready. Even, like, look at, look at what phones do now in terms of AR. Right. Um, like, the new iPhone 12, which we're going to get to <laughs> later, uh, has like a LiDAR sensor. It can do like object occlusion. This is all with like a computer that you carry around in your pocket. Like even five years ago, this would have been like bananas, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention like 10 or 15 years ago. So yeah, I absolutely think it's possible. I mean, you're right. When you think about it, the, the exact same technology that is on the Mars Curiosity rover and on the, on the Perseverance rover, that's on its way to Mars now, your iPhone 12 has it. It's the LiDAR technology. It's what what powers self-driving cars. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Cool. So you said the first one was AR. 
Yes. You said three. So the the second one, the, the second trend I think is really interesting is machine learning. Um, I think machine learning, for those who can do it well, gives a huge advantage over the competition that doesn't incorporate machine learning into their products. Uh, you know, finding a good use case for machine learning um, can be difficult or it can be easy, but uh, I mean, depending on the product, right? Like there's a mm -hmm. huge range. Uh, but that being said, being able to like integrate machine learning in a way that really helps the consumer, I think is a massive advantage. Um, being able to be like more smart about what the user is doing and what the user wants and what the user is mm -hmm. trying to achieve, uh, especially on phones, which are, you know, small form factor, um, where getting like from, from, we're getting from like A to Z as fast as possible right. is really important. You know, like people are on the go, right? They don't want right. to spend hours on their phone outside. Loading. Uh, yeah, loading, no. Uh, so I think that's, that's definitely a big. Uh, what about the third one? The third one? So Android has had this for a little while called Instant Apps. Um, and now iOS has it too in App Clips. Uh, these sort of like really small apps, like slices of apps that you can download on the spot, uh, do whatever interaction you need to do, and then they're gone. That I think is going to open up a huge segment of apps, or at least make existing apps um, easier to use. Hmm. And like not many people are talking about this, but when you think about it, the time that people spend on their phones is getting consolidated more and more into fewer apps, right? I think like 80% of the time that people spend on their phones is spent consuming media on like, li like literally Facebook, Instagram, Netflix, you know, like there aren't, there aren't that many platforms out there. It's the Pareto principle, 80-20. There you go. 80-20 rule. So like what happens to the apps, um, for like, I don't know, like your local pizza shop has an app that lets you like pay through your phone. Like no one wants to download that anymore, right? 100%. Uh, but having these, um, but having like app clips on iOS, for example, makes it really easy for someone to like, oh, when they go pick up their pizza, boom, the app downloads, they can do their payment and then it's gone again. And that I think uh, opens up that kind of like quick user interaction uh, that makes a lot of apps successful. Okay, that's so interesting. It's, I've never heard of that. I've oh, there you go. Clips. Okay, so you mentioned the first one was, um, so the second one was machine learning, the third one was mini apps, and the first one AR. was AR, correct. So how would you recommend uh, someone that's getting into computer science or coding or programming, how would you recommend those people to position themselves keeping in mind those coming trends in the next three to 10 years? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think AR has a lot um, in common with, uh, um, I guess like game development in a way. You know, I think there's a lot of, um, especially when it comes to 
like 3D scenes and stuff like getting like getting that sort of like basis of knowledge I think is going to be important um, and then really I mean the world's your oyster after that right is there a certain programming language that you need to learn to 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 get into that space I mean I'm going to I'm going to tell you that all you need is Swift right because <laughs> I'm like the iOS like, development <laughs> consultant but uh, I think like Swift, um, they have this on Android too. So I suppose like Kotlin or even, you know, like third-party vendors have, uh, have great AR platforms like Unity. Um, so I think being at least familiar with like one of those platforms and how those platforms work uh, is going to be a huge advantage. Cool. But I mean, if you want to get onto Apple's AR glasses, then definitely Swift. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Facebook's recent release of the um, Oculus Rift Two. Yeah. You know, it's. Um, it felt like a. It felt like a big move of. Um, of Facebook, and it's only a matter of time until. Just like you said. AR and VR becomes just the regular next regular thing. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited for that future. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I would, um, when I was like super young playing like Pokemon, I would think to myself like, wow, it'd be so cool to be like immersed <laughs> in that world. And it's incredible to think that like the next, for like the next generation, that's like, like a legit possibility. You know, they'll be able to like run around in like these totally virtual environments um i think that's amazing it's amazing what technology can do now <laughs> so listen i there's two things i want your opinion on shoot the second thing you know we've talked about it it's the iphone 12 <laughs> the first thing is actually something that came uh, up like recently and it's so so you've heard of how as an ios developer you basically have to abide by apple's uh, policies regarding mm -hmm. the App Store. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts on the recent thing that's been happening with Fortnite, where the company uh, tried to uh, it created a backdoor to the payment process mm -hmm. where Apple was not taking a commission anymore? What do you think of that as a developer, as someone that you know you you know that yeah. <laughs> that that's like in the field? Oh man. Um, I think it's a tough position to be in. You know, on the one hand, Apple has, you know, made the iPhone and created and like literally created the platform on which like these games and services exist, right? So how much like how much does it cost to be on a platform that's in a billion pockets? You know, like does it cost 30% of your revenue? I don't know. Um, but then on the other hand, Apple has created something that is so ubiquitous that at a certain point, these things, these things become ours in a way, right? 100%. Like they're, they're no longer, um, like they're no longer part of a certain company without, without oversight. So I think it's a, it's a tough balance, you know, like where, where is the line drawn? Um, I don't, the way Epic went about things, I don't necessarily agree with, um, you know, sideloading their, uh, sideloading their own payment processor, I think is a really good way to get 
to make Apple very mad and get you kicked off of the platform. Um, but then again, it's a, it's a tricky dilemma because you can't but feel uh, empathy for Epic, but you also can't you know it's it's a it's a it's a it's a playground that a lot of developers are playing in, mm-hmm. and it's as if you're playing uh, soccer, and everyone is abiding by the same rules, eleven players by eleven players. Then all of a sudden, one guy picks up the ball with his hands <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and runs. Into the, you get what I mean? Absolutely. And I mean, like, let's be clear. Like, I have I have no empathy for Epic. Honestly, <laughs> I don't. Um, however, I do have a lot of empathy for you know Fortnite players for their user base. Uh, and for a long time, like Apple was going to um, like revoke the developer account for like Unity. You know, which is like a whole other thing, right? Um, I have a lot of empathy for the developers who were kind of dragged into this, like against their will. Right. Um, but again, like this is what happens when two, you know, mega corporations battle it out. You know, it's it's tough. It is tough. It is. So now, final question: What are your thoughts on? The new iPhones. <laughs> the new iPhones. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for this event for a little while now. Yeah, tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny actually. I had um, based on the rumors, I had booked um, I had this event booked in my calendar like weeks and weeks in advance. Uh, and then when it was actually announced, I was like, oh, cool, you know, I'll go book it in my calendar. And then I go check my calendar and it was already there. <laughs> like, Based hey, on rumors. Yeah, the rumors were right. Uh, so what do I think of the new iPhones? I think they're great. I think it's a, in a way, like, you know, it's, it's a very um, natural upgrade to the iPhone 11. Uh, 5G, I think, is a bit underrated right now. So the new, like, the whole iPhone 12 lineup is going to support 5G. And right now, like pundits are a bit, you know, like ho-hum on the idea of 5G. Like, oh, you know, it's not implemented everywhere where it is, you know, it might not be, um, it might not be done well and da da da. But I think this is the type of thing where, first of all, if your phone has 5G, you're future-proofed for the next few years, right? So that's good. Um, and I feel like it's one of those technologies where it's so much better that like we just don't understand now like what we'll be able to do with all that like mobile bandwidth right right um bill gates famously said like who's ever going to need more than 128k of ram (laughs) 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 and like look at us now so i think we're kind of in one of those situations where we're not too sure what we're going to do with it but i think it's going to be good to have in terms of the hardware I love I love the hardware design. <laughs> yeah, it, it does look nice, right? The design looks looks incredible. It looks um, sleek. It's going to be good to have like a like a form factor refresh. Uh, the camera system again is incredible. So I think a lot of people are going to get um, a lot of value out of that, especially like in low light circumstances. Uh, but to me, the thing that really stole the show was MagSafe. What is that? So MagSafe um, is, as as many like Apple buzzwords, it's many things. But in this case, for the iPhone 12, um, the iPhone 12 essentially on the back has like a ring of magnets. And it uses that to attach to different different objects. 
So you can use it, for example, to attach a wireless charger um, to make sure that you know it's always well aligned. And I think, like, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it's definitely happened to me where I would put down my phone for the night and then wake up the next day right, and be yeah. like, oh, no, it was misaligned. Right, and then and I'm at like 10% battery and my whole day is ruined. <laughs> um, <laughs> happened a few too many times. So, yeah, so there's... So there's that, right? Which I think is like the obvious use case. But then they, they're also making a wallet, for example, that attaches magnetically to the back of your phone. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that's, like, that's really cool, right? Um, they're using it for like cases. And the thing with this is that this is a type of, of technology that'll, you know, third party vendors are gonna be all over this, right? They're gonna create all kinds of products mm. for the, uh, um, for MagSafe on like iPhone 12. So, I mean, you can even imagine this being integrated into like the dash of your car, right? So you can just like put your phone there cool. and, uh, and it sticks and you don't have to worry about like clips or whatever, you know? Um, I, think, I think it's really cool. So why has the stock of Apple fell? And why have a lot of people, skeptics or regular Apple users uh, been disappointed in between brackets of the event? Um, there's, there's a few things, I think. Um, I think Apple right now has a lot of products in the pipeline. Um, like rumors have told us that they have things like AirTags. Um, they have like new AirPods um, or like HeadPods, I guess they're supposed to be called, like the over-ear um, wireless headphones. Um, it, they have new Macs coming out with like their own chips with like Apple made processors, which is going to be huge. Um, and I think there's at least a portion of the population who wanted to see something like that announced yesterday. Uh, not yesterday, but on the- Two days ago. Two days ago. So on the one hand, there's that. And on the second hand, I think there's a lot of people who expect Apple to do like these like crazy revolutionary things like every year. <laughs> and when that doesn't come, you know, they're automatically disappointed. Um, so I think part of it is that as well. Makes sense, that makes sense. So Frank, where can people find you? Where can they find your service? If they have a question for you, what's the best place to contact you? So if you wanna contact me directly, at Frankacy on Twitter is a place to be. And if you wanna check out my website, where I blog about iOS things and you can contact me for professional services, you can check out ioscoachfrank.com. Perfect. Frank, it was a pleasure having you. Leon, it was <laughs> great to be here.